Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. To the 40, 35, into the 30, cut back 25, into the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! This is the best bad idea we have, sir. All right, we are the Driveway Athletes. I'm Jack, joined tonight by Ed, and we are here today to discuss um, the middle rounds of your draft and players that are currently there in ADP and what players we like mostly, Um, but maybe you'll get some players that we also uh, don't like, but I'm going to say don't like with a big, big but afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that we've been hammering home a little bit recently that, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, that, like, when you get into this fifth round, it gets a lot more, your likelihood of hitting gets less, maybe a little higher with wide receiver than it is with other positions, but it gets less. So um, the players that we don't like, we're going to say with a caveat or say that players that we might be avoiding in this round, we're going to say with a caveat of, like, I don't know, you know, like a lot of players in this range there's a there's there's quote-unquote risk but the risk is lower because you've kind of started your draft already these are the fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth picks you're going to make but some of these guys are going to be your starters some of these guys are going to be your bi-week fill-ins or injury replacements yeah like i I don't want to put you on the spot but you kind of made me think about this topic because you you were citing some statistics like you may not have them in front of you but i guess we can generalize like that kind of hit rate right um for like running backs and wide receivers um basically like the hit rate is at at some point it's like what like 50 percent uh, like the generalized. Um, let me see if I have because I did it pen and paper, right? Um, so I have <laughs> it written somewhere. Let me see if I can get it. Um, hold on, because it's like I've got pen and paper for like um, championship rosters, but I had pen and paper for. Okay, hold on. I think I've got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. I think I did, let's see here, 2019, I did three years? Yeah. like three years. So um, what did I do here? I'm just trying to figure out like, oh, I'm looking at the wrong statistics. I'm sorry. Um, That's the chance. Those were like, I think the like playoff and championship rosters. I don't think those were the draft picks. I mean, it's all right. I guess the point being is, I think we want to. You want to look for players with upside in, in in these rounds, and what we're defining as mid rounds is five through nine. Yeah, I think that the idea is is like we've gotten. It's not the old days, right? It's not the old days of. Uh, 
rankings being all over the place and you know, it being like we were basically just going off of one year statistics and you were looking at basically total yards, touchdowns and yards per carry. You know, like I just feel like the rankings for the most part have gotten a lot better. Um and I oh, think the words better. the words that you use the the phrase that you used is it's much more like kind of a formulatic. Like there's just yeah. a formula. Um and we've gotten better at knowing like what st- statistics are good predictors. Um and what usually it looks like for a successful player. Obviously, we are wrong at times. Just ask me how my fantasy teams did last season. Um, but um, so that means like the first three rounds to four rounds to a certain degree, that's where you're more likely to hit than not. And once you get in this fifth round, as far as I'm concerned, I used to say it was much later. As far as I'm concerned, when I pulled apart those statistics, a lot of times it is just a roll of the dice. So to to reiterate what you're saying is like you want to pick someone who has a good ceiling. You don't want to pick a, like you're going to want some safe players. But if safety was the name of the game, Robert would like knowing what someone was going to be and they're going to be decent. Robert Woods would be a second round pick. Correct. Right. Like um, that's just that's fantasy. Um, Robert Woods, a very nice player. Um, we know we're pretty confident he's going to be a top 24 at his position. That's a good, you know, lay your paycheck down on it. Um, take, uh, but that doesn't mean he provides you the same level of upside as the same, the guys going above him. Um, so you're taking a mixture of those when you get here, but the quote unquote, like fully safe player the fully safe player usually isn't getting it done in these rounds. They're a nice compliment piece, but they're not going to rescue. They're not going to rescue a problem earlier in your pick. The safe player isn't, you know, unless there's some kind of injury um, to the player in front of them or, or possibly the player behind them, depending on the running back. Yes. Like some of these players are complimentary players. It depends like how you're constructing your roster like if you're going two running backs and you come back with a a wide receiver um, in these later rounds, you're going to need another wide receiver. And like a Robert Woods would be a t- totally safe player. Somebody's going to perform week in and week out, but he's not going to win you the league. Well, like he'll win you the league because he is so – steady and consistent yeah yeah absolutely so when we're talking about the like fifth round through nine there there's one player mean you talk about cats kind of out of the bag um i see his adp rising before we draft and that's travis Etienne. yeah if we had like the mad money soundboard Yes, we could we could hit some of those buttons and and <laughs> talk about you know yeah you buy, buy basically yeah buy on um, this guy. yeah and so here's the thing is like I've professed my love for Travis Etienne enough um, to the point like I have to talk myself out of you know I've had to accept based on where we did our draft order that I'm probably not going to have him in, in our home league. Um, just based on the way the draft is most likely going to break down. 
And then I have to talk myself out of, well, do I reach for him? And how far do I reach for him? You know, earlier in the offseason, he was a seventh-round pick if you were doing um, mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, know your home league. Know how they feel about rookies. You know, like, um, you just don't, like, this is an explosive player. If you look at his game film, if you look at his plays in college, if you look at how it seems like Jacksonville wants to use him, this is an explosive player. This is exactly the kind of player I like to get in these rounds. Um, I'm concerned about how high he's getting. Yeah, based on a couple things, like he's still, it's still a shared backfield, right? Um, And I don't know that he's ever going to be, I think that he fills a role similar to Alvin Kamara. Which is great. Which is great, except the team has to be as good as the Saints. You know, like... Yeah, correct. um, And we'll see, you know, what Jacksonville has to show um, this season and then going beyond. It could be a very great role, but Alvin Kamara scores a ton of touchdowns. You know, like, that's really what rescues some of his rushing downside. Um, Yes, the receiving is great, but the touchdowns are really what is the difference maker. Um, so we, we kind of talked about, you know, like he's probably going fifth, right? Safe to say somewhere in the fifth round. In most leagues, I would think that that would be safe to say. Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to be a player you can start right away. Um, and that's what you have to, if he's going in the, if he's going in the fifth. So here's the thing. It's like if he's going in the fifth, this is a great person to talk about because I think that so much of when you're taking these picks may depend on your roster construction through your first four rounds. Right. And I think my words to you were he might be your like he might be your second running back taken, but really you need him to be your third running back on your depth chart. And I Correct. think that and I think that we had a mismatch in what I meant by that. And I had said, like, if I take ETN, I'm probably going to really try to make sure that I land Davis the next round, or I would have hoped that I've land Davis the round before. And you were like, oh, I don't know that I'm going to have three running backs in the four, because we're looking at fourth round in our league. You and I are pretty much Correct. expecting that fourth round is going to be where this player goes. And you were like, yeah, I'm not really excited about Mike Davis. And I was like, it's just, I'm not excited about Mike Davis either, you know, like, but what you're hoping for is he's good enough until you figure out what's going on with ETN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of got that after we had talked and that makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, one thing I want to say, because we were talking about like, you know, like the hit rate here, and um, and I think you mentioned it on maybe a previous pot. It's like kind of like take the guy that you like, and that's I think great advice because at at this point in the draft, depending on what you did with your first four picks, and you're you're at round five, and there's nobody on the board you're totally in love with chances are there's going to be 
a really good quarterback in that fifth round that you could probably take. So, like, it depends how you construct your roster. Depends who's still on the board. But, like, I've done a couple mock drafts where I'm, like, looking and I'm, like, eh, I don't know about any of these players. Like, let me go quarterback here, you know. Um, and I think I don't want to steal your – I don't want to jump in and steal your words, but I think that I, I think that I know where you're going here. Yeah. I absolutely love where Russell Wilson is going. Yes. So, uh, again, we're talking about hit rates, <laughs> which are not – they're half, basically. And um, I bet they're a lot higher for quarterbacks. You know, like we didn't, we didn't go down that road statistically. But they're probably a lot higher. Um, but um, getting back to some – like players that we like in the, in these rounds. Um, one guy that I, I'm going to say I probably avoiding now is Michael Thomas. I don't know that the average draft position has fully caught up, you know, like right. obviously he's now beyond the third round, but I don't know if this is still doing an aggregate of like, now him being more like an eighth to tenth round player, um, versus where he was earlier in the season, and we still are yet to see this catch up. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. So, like, if he's like eighth or ninth, fine. And I hate to be that fantasy football <laughs> cliche, depending on where he's going. But like, um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think we've taken – one thing I learned back when I started getting a lot more serious was like – I forget. I would love to to hang my – you know, like give this quote proper attribution. I just don't remember where it came from. But it was six years ago or more. And it was every player has value, right? Every player has value. It's just that your value – and your league's value might not add up or your value and the expert value may not add up. Um, and that means you probably won't get them and that's okay, but you don't want to sit there and say, I'll never have this player because there should come a point no matter what that you would take a certain player, right? Like mm-hmm. you and I might not be high on Deandre Swift. This isn't about his talent. It's more about the situation, but if he got to the sixth round, Right, like correct, yeah. Then you that idea of like I would rather not have them. Then it becomes silly, right? Like I'm just using that as as something to prove my point. The issue is, is as a fantasy community, we may have married ourselves a little too much to that phrase of like not where they're currently going because it's lost some meaning Uh because we're talking about a difference of maybe ten picks. You know, like that's that's silly. You know, like I would say if it's like I won't have them where they're current going, it bet I better be a difference of like 24 picks, you know, two mm-hmm. rounds. Right. But like Michael Thomas's current situation, um, it doesn't sound good. Uh, so basically he 
he needs surgery after the season. He decides to try to rehab it. That doesn't work. He then just goes and gets surgery, like, I think in June at some point. And it, I think it, it was like a, was it like a four month recovery? I believe it's a long recovery and he waited till very late into the off season and apparently didn't tell the team. Correct. And then the team put out a release saying, you know, basically they've been trying to contact him and he hasn't been returning calls. Right. Like, um, and then he comes out with a statement saying something along the lines like he's 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 the better man because he's going to protect the Saints' reputation in a way. Um, Doesn't sound so that, good. Yeah, that whole situation does not sound good at all. Um, so you know, four month injury work that takes us to, I don't know, around in October. You might be, yeah. So remember your, your fantasy regular season, I just checked because when we did our draft order, we had to, I, I not expected to change our schedule, but we did have to go an extra week because bye weeks go into week 14 Mm -hmm. this year. But you have to figure if you do, so we're at, 14 weeks now. So if he misses like four weeks of your regular season, um, that is a significant amount of time, (laughs) you know, like, um, do you really want to sacrifice? It's one thing to have a guy bust, right? Like you at least made an honest effort. Mm -hmm. Um, but to take a guy, you know, is not going to play for about 29%, almost 30% of your fantasy season. Um, if it's four weeks, um, that, you know, right off the bat, he's missing four at least at minimum four weeks. What are your chances that he's going to eventually pull? You have to be good and hope that he returns to something comparatively to what we saw two years ago for it to be worth, worth it to even draft him in the seventh round. Right. Like, you know, figure he. He, he's not participating in training camp or practice with new quarterback. It's not like he's reuniting with Drew Brees again, right? Like he's playing with it. He's going to be playing relatively with a new quarterback because he didn't. Right. A Hill or, or Winston. So yeah, that's a, re- and not to mention the situation, like, him and the Saints seem to be heading for some sort of blow-up. Well, who's going to trade for a guy that can't pass a physical right now? So, and best-case scenario is he's ready by, like, mid to late October, and he gets dealt somewhere. Well, mm-hmm. then that's a new offense, a new quarterback. You know, so, like, you're just betting on a lot, and if you're going to take him, you know, the current ADP says 60 or 59 Okay, uh-huh. fine. You're you're spending that sixth round pick on him. Um, it's not going to kill you, but remember, what's going to kill you is your attitude towards that player. 
Um, it's not necessarily taking him here is going to be the difference between sinking and, and swimming. Um, as I said, you're very, as we've talked about, you're very likely to miss in this range. But uh-huh. the idea is is that you're drafting him and holding out for the hope, right? I think that this is similar to the year that Andrew Lux like missed the whole year, and you were waiting every week. Is he coming back? Is he coming back? Is he coming back? And they didn't finally make the decision for him not to be coming back till very late into the off season or well, very late into the season. And I had I drafted him that year to bail me out of waiting. And what it does is you keep making imperfect decisions because you think that you have got this person, even if you've right. got injured reserve slots, it keeps you making like, well, I don't need to make a trade. I might be getting Michael Thomas back. Oh, I don't really need to spend my fab. Michael Thomas might be back in two weeks, you know, and you, it, it you have to remember your mentality here. So you've got a guy that you know is guaranteed to miss. I, it seems like at least four games. That doesn't sound a lot in the range of an NFL season. It's a lot in your fantasy season because that's 30%. And then that assumes he's back week five. Um, I don't know when the Saints buys, buy is. I'm not looking at it currently. Um, and that just assumes a lot of things to break the right way. Save your IR slot for somebody who gets hurt. You yeah, know, I like, agree. Um, again, every player has value. Um, and I hate, we, we hate this phrase. Just let someone else pay up for it. Let someone, if this is the price, if 59, 60 is the price, let someone else pay that price. Get another guy that you like. All right. Give me you guy. Give me a guy that you like in these mid rounds. Um, so I think, um, we're not going to say quarterbacks, right? No, let's not go quarterback. Um, yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go, go with outside the court. Wide receiver and running back, really, um, because even tight end is a bit janky. Yeah, I mean, I guess there would be one tight end. Maybe would be uh, Pitts is going before the range that we named. Hawkinson is going. Uh, Hawk- yeah. yeah, Hawkinson. Yes, he's a tight end to like, but I also think that he's like in most people's ranks, like tight end four, four or five. I think yeah. five. So he's still rated pretty high. Um, so for the most part, I think that it's good that we stick with um, running back and receiver because that's mostly what people are looking at if they're not taking uh-huh. quarterback or tight end here. So. Um, Let's see. I want to give someone like it would be very easy for me to say DJ Moore, um, wide receiver twenty two. Obviously, I like DJ Moore a lot. You're not much of a fan, um, but I'm I not. think no. <laughs> and I and I get it. And we can we can do a, a conversation at some point about why I like DJ Moore. Um, he's currently wide receiver twenty two off the board. It's uh, pick fifty seven. Again, this is half point PPR leagues that we're talking about. Um, this uh, let's stick with DJ Moore. Let's stick with DJ Moore. I think this is a good player to talk about. Um, I don't know that we've seen DJ Moore's ceiling, and I think that what I had said when we talked a little bit about him when we did our top, you know, twenty-four segment about Moore was mm-hmm. 
We've seen Moore playing with Cam, who had a messed up arm, and we saw him last season playing with Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> um, and I, not that Darnold is um, a world-beater quarterback. I think that there are very valid questions as to Sam Darnold's ball security. But I think that Adam Gase uh, is not good for most professional players other than Peyton Manning. Um, Bro. You know, and I think that there is some opportunity here. Obviously, DJ Moore was a much higher pick. I think that DJ Moore and Clyde Edwards suffer a little bit from the same syndrome here. DJ Moore, Clyde Edwards, Joe Mixon from the like – I expected you to be a lot more and you burned me. So Uh therefore you're not valuable to me. And when I look at the other receivers kind of going in DJ Moore's range, Kenny Galladay, he's hurt already, right? He he dealt with a hamstring. So dealt with a nagging injury last year. He's hurt already again. Brandon Ayuk. um, I think he's a very good player, but I don't know what San Francisco did to the world or if it's their, like, the way that they train, but it's just, like, it's insane how players just seem to be constantly getting hurt there. They really do. So, Deontay Johnson, we've talked about our concerns about Ben. We've talked about our concerns about his hands. I think he's a very good player. I'd be very happy to get Deontay Johnson. Um, DJ Moore has... you know, like very good rack yak, depending on how yards after catch run after catch ability, um, basically a punt returner when he gets the ball in his hands, um, not necessarily a fly pattern guy. Um, and I, and I'm not sure that some of these guys, you know, sands, maybe chase, but we don't know what that's going to look like in the, to start the season, maybe chase Claypool, um, have that, that, type of ability so I think DJ Moore is a very nice player with upside compared to some of the other guys going here um, so he's a player I've always liked um, obviously he I've got him ranked above where kind of the quote-unquote market is so he's a player I like again I'm not sitting here saying I would not like him in the third round I would not like him in the fourth round but pick 58 if you've already got two receivers, what's the risk, I guess, is my question. Right. And Darnold does like his slot receiver. So that that's – and I would see say DJ Moore will probably bind up in the slot a lot of times. Yeah, I would, I would expect him. I mean, he – Darnold does have a history with Robbie Anderson. Um, Darnold – and I, I'm going to say this name, and he's not this, and I feel like I say that phrase a lot. But there's a lot of Brett Favre to Darnold. Mm-hmm. He's okay with throwing in the coverage. He's okay with you know being careless. Goes back to his time in college. I think that's going to be good for both Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think it's going to be good for McCaffrey, too. Um, I don't know. The question is, like, what we have to ask ourselves or what you have to ask yourself when you're staring down – looking at DJ Moore in the late fifth, early sixth round, is how many weapons do you think Sam Darnold can support being in the top 12 in their their position or top 24? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't know how good this offense actually can be. I'm very happy with D- 
DJ Moore being in my flex rather than my wide receiver too. You know, and I think that's what you're looking at here. And I would rather take that, again, compared to right now where Kenny Galladay is with the nagging hamstring injury again. Um, Brandon Ayuk, who's a very nice player, but we're looking at a quarterback change, most likely maybe even week one. And then you're mm-hmm. down into what's going on in Cincinnati, right? Like you've got Jamar That's Chase. That's a good segue. Yeah. Good segue. I was going to say, like, I wanted to talk about, like, players on the same team. Like, um, so that segues into, like, a player I like and a player um a bit cold on right now for the moment. I'm not saying don't pick them or anything like that, but we got to, like, temper expectations a bit. Um, So the player I like in in this range is T. Higgins. Um, We've talked about him uh, in previous episodes. Uh, He had a good rookie season. I would expect him to um, evolve. Uh, And then they drafted Jamar Chase, who, I mean, people are like, He's he's Jerry Rice at the moment, right? Well, he um, was. He was. And I think a couple negative reports out of camp, and all of a sudden, I don't know, pick a wide receiver bust. Yeah, but um, here he he hasn't played football in a year, right? Correct. And I probably put over that, a year actually. I had put that in my um, write up about him. Was Go to was... the website and read Jack's <laughs> atlas. Because it um, is in there. It is in there. And I had put, but he opted out of last season. And um, one thing, and I, and I don't know if I had mentioned this, I believe I had, but one thing that I, I didn't realize until we heard it beat into our heads by Joe Banner was like how important it is for young players to be in camp on time. Mm hmm. And the rate at which guys struggle when they miss their first camp. Now, obviously, Chase has been in his first camp, but I can't imagine that missing your like last year of like development is good. And look, I don't blame him for opting out. I'm not saying it's a death knell of his career. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust. I'm just saying it. There's a difference between working out and there's a difference between playing a sport. Huge difference. Yeah. So, um, Huge, yeah, I mean, anybody that's listened that has played and worked out understands that. And that's more or less, um, yeah, so that's what I had said was I've, I have some concerns with missing last season. This is not tied to conditioning and is just suboptimal to miss a year development at this age. I think that that's fair to say it's, and it, it's not a knock against Jamar Chase. Like, I understand why anybody would have opted out of last season. You know, it was a crazy, chaotic time. Mm-hmm. And, but basically, then you get the reports out of camp that are he looks slow. He looks like he's having a hard time. Well, of course. He, like, he's having a hard time separating all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to temper some of that too, because the knock against AJ Brown and the knock against DK Metcalf was that they couldn't separate. Kind of right. like those players, right? <laughs> yeah, just right? a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Kind of, kind of think, 
think big things, good things from them. Yes. So, uh, not, and again, what's not going to be fair is because I said those two names. And I don't like to do it because I don't think that that's fair to do to Chase because he missed last season. I just think that that, like, I don't know that some of, like, the greatest receivers, like, especially the bigger body guys, are necessarily that great at getting separation. They don't really need to. No. I mean, they can just out-jump or out-muscle you or... Or they make up for it in route running. Right. Smart route running, yeah. So, which but is why, this is which is why I like Higgins here because you're kind of getting him at a discount because of this whole because of Chase, right? A bit, a bit. Oh yeah, I mean, and I think that that happened with Tyler Boyd too. Yeah, Tyler Boyd's basically free. Correct. You know, and my feeling is is like, fine. Like right now, ADP has Chase at. 70 overall wide receiver 27 um he's gonna probably be a stash player i think everybody's got a little bit of justin jefferson brain yeah and i think you're right i think it's good to like t higgins like generally speaking rookie wide receivers are aren't don't don't perform that well, I Look, would say. For I think that purposes. that's fair. And I think that we also have to ask ourselves, are we projecting a workload that the team isn't projecting? Mm-hmm. You know, for Jamar Chase to finish his, in the top 24, he's going to have to see a lot of targets. A lot. You're, yeah. You're right, yeah. And that doesn't mean he can't be one of those, like, quote-unquote league-winning players. Like, again, talk about a segue. Like the player who's currently going right before him, Odell Beckham in his rookie year. Right? Mm-hmm. He deals with an injury, and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, he's on fire and takes teams. If you had a decent enough team, may have taken you to the championship. I'm not saying he can't do that. But you need to get wins first. And before and Odell Beckham's rookie year, you didn't really pay for him. This is pick 70 isn't that expensive, but you're paying. It's not a waiver wire pick. It might be. Someone may drop him. Yeah, you're you know? right. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be a player. If you want to take him, he's you can't put him in your injured reserve if you're in a league with that. You're going to have to roster him. You're probably going to have to hold him. Where Higgins, to your point, is probably going to be serviceable week one. Um, so we talked about ETN's kind of skyrocketing ADP going fifth round. I think if you miss out on him, you can wait and snag up. I think a guy we, we both like too. Um, and that's Michael Carter rookie in a, for the Jets. Correct. Now, the only thing I'll, I'll caveat that with is he represents another rookie that represents upside. This The Jets bring over San Francisco's offense. Um, 
there's not necessarily uh, the the talent in front of Michael Carter isn't fantastic. No, um, it's not San Francisco's talent, right? No, but even San Francisco's talent, I'm not sure. Like Raheem Mostert has looked like a very explosive player, but he gets two games in a row and then he's out again. You know, like you're right. Um, and uh, Jeff Wilson, kind of the same thing. Um, they've looked like very nice players, but um, for all of their flaws, LaMichael Lema, uh, P. Ryan, I wanted to call him LaMaje, LaMichael P. Ryan seems like he's relatively healthy. Tevin Coleman, on the other hand, is getting a little up there. You know, like his days in Atlanta splitting a backfield with Devonta Freeman are a long time ago in terms of a running back career. They they really are. It's another lifetime. They might yep. as well, unless you're Frank Gore, it's another lifetime. Um, so there is a path. The only thing I'll say that differentiates these two players is ETN was a first-round pick. Well, yes. I mean, I, I, totally. I I didn't, I didn't quite mean it that way, like that they were like comparable I, in any way. Let uh, me, let me see if yeah. I know what you mean. You're, what you're saying is if you miss out on ETN, there's another nice rookie back here. Well, there's two actually, but, um, the first one is the one we like more, right? Michael yes. Carter, um, who still could be, you know, like. There still could be a winning of the job or a bigger role than we're saying as running back 35 off the board. Mm-hmm. I think that's – I don't want to say that you're saying it could be ETN. I'm also saying like if you guys are listening to us, don't – I'm not saying that as a critique to you. I just want to make sure that people get what it is we're saying about Michael Carter. Yeah, like if you if you miss out on ETN in the fifth, you could grab Carter what? Like in the – He's right now running back 35 off the board, pick 83. Um, that should be around the eighth round. Yeah, I mean, which really you should have two running backs by that point, I would hope. Um, oh. And this is, a, this is a stash kind of guy. Um, um, hold on a second. Let me make sure my math is correct. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, let's do seventh round, seventh and a half. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think there's opportunity. Yeah, seventh round. Yeah. Um, seventh to eighth, but yeah, there's, there's opportunity there. I agree. As we said, Tevin Coleman at this point in his career, not exactly. I, I, it reminds me a little bit in this regard to when Carlos Hyde was in front of Nick Chubb in Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, Tevin Coleman might start week one, but he might not finish there, you know, like, well, a better comparison. Cause I want to bring these two teammates up. Um, I think that would be Melvin Gordon and Javante uh, Williams. Like, I feel like Williams is going to eventually take over for Gordon. They were te- Carter and Javante Williams were teammates. Did you know that? What's and that? Carter and Javante Williams were teammates in North Carolina. Oh. There you go. Um, 
there is a likelihood. The only thing is, is they play different roles. So Javante Williams is not the receiver. So that like while Javante Williams may take over the rushing duties, he's unlikely to fill the receiving part of the backfield. Right. Um, I was just looking at his college statistics. Um, him and Carter had very similar stats in their 2020. So, like, North Carolina had a pretty good running game. Yes. That's why they both got drafted. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, yeah, like, you're talking about uh, – Javante Williams had a, a 1,100 rushing yards and 300 receiving, 25 catches on 300 receiving yards. Um, whereas, like, I, I believe Michael Carter. No, Will, Williams is actually going, like, many, six picks before Melvin Gordon, and he's going almost 13 picks before Carter. Yeah, that that may be a bit of a runaway train. Because I think Javante Williams, like, they did spend a pick. What did he went in the second round, mm-hmm. Javante Williams? For a running back that is an early pick. And Melvin Gordon is a bit, seems to be a bit out of favor in Denver. And it is the last year of his contract. Um. So they're not exactly married to that player, but I wonder how much of are we projecting the backfield that we're not, that we don't know yet, you know, and Mm -hmm. and Michael Carter may follow a similar trajectory to Deandre Swift, not in receiving, but again, it was kind of pretty late in the season when Swift became serviceable fantasy wise. And, um, I feel a little bit different. I'm trying to think of like the price on Williams has, has risen a lot faster than it has on Carter. And I don't know if that's because people just don't like the jets, but I don't know how much there is to (laughs) love about, you know, like um, again, having uh, Teddy Bridgewater's in Denver now, or drew Locke is, will be starting. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so like I believe the Jets have a good rushing offensive line. They do. So it's I guess my feeling is is like when you look at Javante Williams, we might know more like come like one of the two preseason games about mm-hmm. his what his role is gonna look like. But don't get too locked into the narrative that like he's going to be the starter. He may be at some, maybe at some point or, or it might be a full split or, you know, like, yeah, right. And you're paying a lot more. I mean, where is Javante Williams going now? He's like not even in our conversation because he's going that early, right? No, he, he is in our conversation because he's going 68. Uh, that's not that bad. Running back twenty nine. Mm-hmm. So it's only it's not that much better than Michael Carter, I guess. But um, Melvin Gordon, regardless of if he's in favor of the coaching staff, is better 
than Tevin Coleman or LaMichael uh, Pirine. Right. Is that fair to say? That is fair. So um, you had mentioned a player that you're not taking kind of in this round. I'm going to mention one while we're here because um, I don't think I mentioned a player that like I'd be actively avoiding this late. But uh, since we're right at Michael Carter at 83, I'm going to say I'd rather have Michael Carter than David Johnson. Why is that? So in Houston right now, you have David Johnson, you have Ingram, and you have Philip Lindsay. It's a crowd of backfields. It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. I'd like to see that get cleaned up. Um, And I'm not sure. I mean, are they starting to Rod Taylor? Because I doubt that Deshaun Watson plays this season. I doubt he does too. And And if he does, I'm not sure that he plays for Houston. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing's a mess. The whole team's a mess. The whole team's a mess. Um. So, and I've got, look, David Johnson, again, is pretty far removed from the Arizona Cardinals and, and him setting the world ablaze. Mm-hmm. Pretty far removed from that. He didn't have a bad fantasy season last season, but when the team goes and brings in two additional backs, I'm not sure if they liked it all that much either. And I'm not, again... Ingram, he's long in a tooth. I don't know that the league has ever loved Ingram. <laughs> um, but he's been good as far as fantasy goes. He has been. But And then you've got Lindsey, who's younger than both of them. I'd like to get more clarity. Yeah, that that, that whole situation is, is a bit of a mess. Um, I think one player I may be avoiding... Um, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. What, what do you think about Charik? Uh, I mean, I liked the talent of the player, but he kind of disappointed last year based off the uh, well, year prior. You were expecting to see continued growth mm-hmm. and you just didn't see it from, from Chark. Um, so but I don't mind him where he's going right now. It's just, you have to ask yourself, do I want DJ Chark with a rookie with them signing Marvin Jones with Travis Etienne lining up out wide? Um, or do I want Cortland Sutton coming off an ACL injury or Robbie? Anderson? I feel like, I feel like Jacksonville also likes uh Chenault too. Chenault is very similar to maybe Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm where he's going to line up in the backfield sometimes. He's going to line up all over the place. He's a gadget kind of player. I agree. I do think that they like him. But it's a, it is a new coaching staff from when he was drafted, but I, it does seem like this coaching staff likes him as well. So I do agree that there might be some fighting for targets, but I still think that talent-wise, Chark is the best of the bunch. But... um, I just think, yeah, like... I, I, there, there's a bit of a cap on on Char. Probably, probably. I think that's fair. I think that he's the best of the bunch because he fits the prototypical 
run or wide receiver, but I think that Marvin Jones is probably going to end up leading that team in targets. Mm-hmm. He comes over with the offensive coordinator from Detroit, so they brought like he was brought over um, from a previous relationship for a reason, and maybe Chark Chark could use that um, having an you know not having to be the one without like another you know kind of very good receiver on the other side maybe that will help him but i'm fine with avoiding him at this price depending on how i've drafted earlier you know if i could afford if i could afford to take a Devonte smith i'd probably want to do that or a jerry judy but i'm fine if you said rather take the shot at chark i just don't know what this offense is going to like again if we like etn that much like, how yeah, good is I mean, Jacksonville's offense going to be that it can support multiple weapons? Now, that's hope- my, yeah, correct. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully, at wide receiver 32, this is a speculation pick for you, and if it fails, you know, you're moving on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. I think that he's capped based, you know, based on, I think we both said the same thing a different way. Use the word capped. I said, "How many top weapons can they can they uh, produce?" Um, if you really believe in Lawrence, go for it. You know, but again, I, I'd rather have Michael Carter or um, maybe Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith because they provide a much higher upside. And that's the name of the game when you get into this area. You're talking about pick 88. You know, like, this is going to be your maybe eighth, ninth player that you've drafted. Yeah. Why go safe? Exactly. Uh, you got to go dicks out at some point. Yeah. Ball, balls out, right? Yeah. That's why, like, and I think maybe we can discuss a couple more players. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go teammates again. Yeah. If they're separated by uh, eight picks, and that's uh, Claypool and uh, Juju. I'd rather have Claypool than Juju. It, me too. And we just, you just said it. Like, why go safe in, in this area? I don't even know how safe Juju is. Um, it's crazy to say. You know, like how much hype this this kid, I mean, he's 24 yeah. now, had behind him. Um, and where we are now, where we've had kind of multiple seasons of disappointment. Right. Um, but this is another conversation. We're talking about Najee Harris going in the second round. And then you're talking about Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Smith-Schuster going all before the 10th round. That's a lot to try and <laughs> sustain. A lot of weapons that to feed, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, we're we're two years removed now from that hundred and sixty six target season in twenty eighteen for Juju, um, and now there's more weapons compared to that twenty eighteen team. Yeah, I mean. I guess our point is like, so like, I think wasn't Claypool seen as like, kind of like raw talent, like a raw 
a project. Yeah, like a, like project. a physical specimen, I guess, more so right. than a you know a polished um, player. So this he's this is his uh, going into a second season. Um, you know, like I, I think he's going to be evolved a little bit more and more polished than he was. And maybe he is like a, becomes like a, a Metcalf, right? A prototype. I mean, he's a six, four player, you know, like when you talk about receivers at that height, there is a certain type of player. Yeah. There is a certain type of player you want to see them emulate. You just, I always preferred, like personally, I'm always a bigger body receiver, like fan, you know, like that's usually the type of receiver that I um, like um, only because um, so much of being the receiver isn't just a foot race, you know, um, you want a guy who can run routes well, but also can out jump or, or, or just out athlete somebody else. And um, that's Claypool. What else can you say? So like, when you see a six four guy, yeah, you want him to repeat or do better than those nine touchdowns he had last year. Okay, I mean, we don't predict touchdowns, but I think that he's going to out touchdown Juju. But probably out touchdown um, Johnson too. Most likely, I mean, Johnson is more like that typical number one Pittsburgh wide receiver. Yeah. You know, like Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown, like that six one volume, you know, just ridiculous volume receiver. Like, like Claypool will be used around like in the red zone, you know, like that's more or less jumping. Yeah, thirty yards yeah. and in. Right? So like, I could see him outpointing his teammates. There's a very real chance. Again, remember, though, when we were talking about Cap, this doesn't come without risk. Right. We have, we have concerns about Ben. and We do. I know he's, like, quote-unquote, in the best shape of his life, but last season he just did not really throw the ball very deep. Um, his average depth of target was a little over six yards. Um, so just remember that, you know, when you're going into your drafts. That being said, Chase Claypool is pick 72. This isn't a first or second round pick. You know, if it blows up in your face, so be it. What do you want to do? Do you want to strike? You know, do you want to bunt and possibly get thrown out? Or do you want to swing for the fences? You know, like. Yeah, some weeks this guy is going to put up like 40 points, right? Like. And he might give you like a, a five point week, right? So you ha- and you have to have players like that. And I know that we talk you about do. how much you don't want to. I don't want to have a boom bust player in my first three picks. I need some safe floor, but you yeah, do like, need some. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah. Let's let's set expectations again. We're talking some mid- middle rounds here, right? Yeah, middle to late and, um. Again, I think I you, you know you talked about that that hit rate, but the reality is, is every round you get after like really after the first, but it it doesn't drop that bad into the second. But every round from like the fourth round is every round your likelihood of hitting on a player drops, 
every single round it gets worse. It doesn't go like, oh, from rounds eight or five through nine, it's like, it's not, you know, it's 50%. And then it's like 10 to 11, it's like 45. Like, no, every single round, your likelihood drops each time. So when you get into this, you're just talking about like, I don't care how smart you think you are. There is an amount of chance here. Different things are going to happen that are not predictable. And if you thought that they were, then why did James Robinson go undrafted? These happen every year. And sometimes it doesn't make you smart. It makes you lucky. Justin Jefferson went undrafted. Went undrafted. Right. Sometimes it doesn't make you smart. It makes you lucky. But, but, but we can try and increase the chances we have to get lucky. And that's what we're trying to tell you here. That's why I kind of prefaced it by saying in the beginning, like if you like a quarterback five and six and seven, take them. You know, if you really like him over the players that you could draft here, I would take them. Yeah, I I agree with you. And that's... I think that we needed to quantify that. I think when the offseason started, you and I were both saying the same thing, um, which was I think around round five is when I'm most comfortable starting to look at quarterbacks. And um, I think that like we needed to quantify why we felt that way. And the reality uh-huh. is even though there isn't like a positional – like when you get into – you know, the quarterback five, six, seven, eight, they're all kind of the same. But the reality is, so what? You can do that and get the guy, yeah, he doesn't provide you much, like, quote-unquote, positional advantage, at least not on paper. Who knows? Next year's Josh Allen could be in that, you know, in those picks. You know, yeah, like I, Herbert. Herbert could be this year's Josh Allen, right? Like, There's always a quarterback that goes later yeah. that ends up being very good. But the reality is, is like, even if you're not getting a, a positional advantage, it could save you a headache throughout the season. You're not searching for that player. Yes, yeah. like locked and loaded. Like I think that that's worth something too. That's worth something. I think that's worth something too, and it's okay. You know, like if you want to say you want to take, again, we I, I we use the name of liking Russell Wilson, um. We, we had brought that up when we kind of started uh-huh. and um, he's going pick 61. If you're telling me you'd have a, rather have Russell Wilson than Kenny Galladay, Chase Edmonds, Brandon Ayuk, Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams, Odell Beckham, Jamar Chase. I, what f- fault can I find in that? None. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's smart, you know, you have to, like, there has to become a point at which you say, like, throw some of this out the window and grab the guy you you want, you know. And, and I think going through this exercise and looking through these mid-round players is a good one because it's different than a mock draft. A mock draft, you're kind of staring at, like, maybe five players, you know, like, um, at what you're taking. But I think when you're looking down the full round – of any any particular round and what's going after and are they going to make it back to me? You know, like, again, if you really like Chase Claypool and you are picking at pick 66 rather than pick 67, well then, or, or 70 where he's going, he's very unlikely to get back to you to your next pick. Uh-huh. So, so what? So what if you go 
a couple, you know, like off script by a couple picks. Or again, as we mentioned, Travis Etienne uh, going pick 62. If you like him that and running back 24, if you like him that much and you take him as running back 20, which is going, again, I'm just going to, I'm trying to. Ballparky uh, here. Well, just give you an, an, an yeah. if or then. If you like Travis Etienne more than you like Chris Carson. Right. <laughs> right? Like, um, yeah, like that's an interesting player, right? Um, well, I think I might try to take my chances with Etienne. Right, but if you know? so, Carson is going pick 34, Etienne is going pick, what did we say? 62. Uh-huh. Right? So, and then you have to look at every player going in between and saying, would I rather have this position locked up? Like, would I rather lock up um, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray? And I think that those are fair things to, to look at. But my feeling is, is when you're looking down that list, it's not always a good idea to just look at your tiers, to just look at your ranks, to just look at your roster. You have to look at your roster because you have to build a team. But sometimes there are players that you're going to say it's worth it. And it doesn't make you an idiot. It doesn't make you crazy. Just know that you're going to have to try and make up some ground somewhere. Yeah. And when you're going to make up that ground, again, maybe you want to swing for the fences. My opinion is, is you start swinging for the fences once you get into that fifth and sixth round. Yeah, I um, totally agree. Could not agree more. So when you had pitched this topic to me, I thought it was good because we could talk about maybe players that our opinions changed on. Um, depending on where we got them to. And I was, I'm not going to say shocked because our last draft, it kind of broke this way. But like, and in the beginning of off of the off season, CD lamb was a fourth and fifth round pick. Uh-huh. And now he's a borderline third. Um, and I will say he is on a rapid trajectory. You know, he's going as wide receiver 12 right now. He's on a rapid trajectory up. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of talent there. Well, I think that because of how bad the quarterback play was last year, we didn't fully get to see it. And now that he's looked really good in camp, he's on a rocket ship. Um, he's out there with, like, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> SpaceX. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. He is a player I like to finish um, probably, like, I think he's going to finish, like, top, let's say, top six. Did you feel this? Wide receiver. Did you feel this way, like, earlier in the offseason? I would say within the last, like, Two to three weeks. Um, yeah, so like yeah. the start of camp really and and kind of the offseason really getting going really changed your opinion. It did. And I, I kind of was like you kind of just said it like he when he was playing with like Dak, like 
he started off the season hot, if you remember. Um, then an injury happened, and we didn't quite see what he could do with a really good quarterback. Um, so I, him going into his second year, like there's a lot of talent on this wide receiver talent on this team. I see this offense being really good and passing the ball a lot. So um, I think his targets are going to be higher. Um, like we'll talk about team like Amari Cooper or CD Lamb. Like I think at this CD point is, Lamb. Yeah, I think yeah, this, at this point Lamb is your pick. Yeah. So. I, I really like his talent, like, coming out of college last year, too. Um, like, I started following him a bit more because it was a possibility, like, the Eagles could take him. Um, so I really got to see, like, his talent. Um, so he's a player, I, like, I'm pretty high on this year. I've changed my opinion. I had him much lower. Earlier in the offseason, he's now kind of towards that 12 um, in my rankings. Um, but I'll say, to, to, to bring it back, because it was a mention we named earlier, and it's a good spot for us to bring it back and wrap up this like middle-round guys thing. But um, Hawkinson is someone, when I did my original ranks, I was not high on at all. Um, I just thought that that offense is really lacking. Um, I have really come around to that tight end six ranking that he's got. Um, and if you remember when Hawkinson was drafted, he kind of had that like pre Kyle Pitts best tight end prospect in forever, um, hype train. I, I do remember that. And he's, you know, he's entering where this is. I feel like we have said it takes three years. I think that we discount just how hard it is for that position to transition to the NFL. And I think that he's poised to have a pretty good season. Um, I still f subscribe to the, if you don't go great, you go late at tight end. Uh -huh. um, but I think that if you want to take him in the middle rounds, I can see why. I mean, I'd rather have him than the other tight ends um, kind of going in, in his tight end range, like the tight end seven and um, beyond in the top 12. Um, so I get it. You know, like uh, I've come around. My opinion has changed a lot on TJ Hawkinson throughout the offseason. I still think the Detroit offense is lacking for high end outside talent, but I mean, Jared Goff is he's not that bad of a quarterback, so he's an NFL quarterback. Um, he is. But I think that so, he's cut from right. the same cloth as like Garoppolo and right. um, some of these other guys that like you need some more arm strength. You know, like that's just I think he's 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 not a game manager. I think he's better than a game manager, but he's really lacking for that like high end 
arm strength. That's why he's gone from the Rams. Exactly. No, no. I'm, um, I, I kind of finished my point there. Okay. Okay. Well, um, obviously this isn't all the players going in this area. We mentioned just quite a, just a few. Um, there are a lot more going on there. If you want to check out the website, you can see some of my writings about some of these players. Um, obviously, I you prefer can... you read them all. Read them all, but also yeah. you can you can scroll back in your wherever you get your podcasts and listen to our um, discussions on the top twenty four running backs and the top twenty four receivers, and you could hear so, some more of our takes on some of these guys that we didn't get a chance to discuss, um, like Cooper Cup that we talked about um, not that long ago, or like Robert Woods, um, who we I we touched on very briefly. Um, you can hear us dissect a little bit more about what we like about those guys. But I think the main top main thing takeaway here is like, there are players to like in this region. Um, but you are going to have to, you can't play it safe here. There is no such thing. No, you're going to have to, like we said, like look for the most upside of players at some point. And with these players, and I think that this is also a good place to close. With these players, you're trying to look for who has the path of least resistance to be the biggest contributor on his team, right? Like the path of least resistance for, uh, let's say, Chase Claypool is very different than the path of least resistance for um, Tyler Boyd, right? Tyler Boyd has probably two players of better talent or more explosive talent in front of him. Um, he might be very good where Claypool might be the best athlete out of the receiving crew that he's uh-huh. better. In, that's in front of him, you know, and you've got to look for those things where either the snap counts are looking different or you hear a little bit of like, a you know, negativity about a player in front of another player. Like typically coaches are everybody's the best they've ever seen them. So when you hear negativity, you really want to, yeah. you know, perk up. But you want to look for those those players because they exist in this range. There are players that exist in this range. Jerry Judy, you know, like as we we discussed, um, where there are there are some players in this range and later that have a path to get to a, you know, you want for run, receivers, you want them to get to. 24 per 23, 24% of their team's passing offense for running backs. You want to see them have a path to 200 to 240 touches, you know, and they exist. They it happens all the time, but this isn't a high probability thing. You just want to take what you think is the best chance for that to happen. So at some point you got to stand up and you got to push those chips in because otherwise you walk out, what feeling like you played the longest, but still lost. Go all in, man. That's it. That's it. Go all in. All right. So we will be back tomorrow uh, with another episode. We're really, I mean, we do two shows a week. Um, and then we've said it for the last couple of weeks. This is draft season. I'm sure some of you guys are drafting this weekend. Some of you will be drafting next weekend. Um, we are drafting the third week. Um, yeah, we, we, yeah, we always like to draft after the preseason we draft the third week 
uh, like usually after the third week of preseason, which is mostly when starters starters don't play. play. I will say we used to draft after preseason was done, but then it became as people got more and more lives when we weren't quite so young, it got to be more difficult. So we had, we always do the last week before the week before Labor Day weekend. That has become the weekend that we do our draft, um, which coincides with third week of fantasy or third week of preseason. So, but some of you guys might be drafting this weekend. Some of you guys might be drafting next weekend. We've got, if you're drafting this weekend, you got one more show to listen to us about preseason stuff. And then everything else we say will probably be a waste of your time. (laughs) Um, uh, For the other folks, you get one more week of, or three more episodes to hear us talk about whatever we are going to talk about before you draft. You want to be as prepared as you can be going into your draft. Know your team, know your league, know your rules. That's probably the most important thing that we can say is know your rules. If you don't, you'll get eaten by a bear. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right.